You're listening to the Crochet Conversations podcast with Ines and Mel, and this is episode 38. What exactly is milk cotton? Hello, welcome back to another episode. Happy Sunday, guys. Happy Sunday. Hi, everybody. So today I have a really exciting episode. I feel like I start all episodes that way, but I'm pretty, I'm quite looking forward to this one, actually. I've actually been wanting to do this episode for quite a while now, but I just, I haven't felt ready, like I haven't put in enough research into it. Okay. Obviously from the title, you guys know I'm already, I'm talking about milk cotton today and what is it. And surprisingly, there's not much information on it online. Right. Which is which is funny to me. So all the websites I see only talk about it being made from milk cotton. I guess, yeah, I guess that's why it's taking you a while, right? To yeah, do your research. It's true, but you know, I've decided that I'm just going to bite the bullet. I'm going to present my research the way I, I have it so far. And if you guys want to do more... You know, more research on your own please feel free to do it and share 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 with the community because I think we I, I, or at least that's me I like to know what I'm working with I like to know what I'm what I'm using yeah. yeah or at least what's available out there right yeah and so the reason why I decided to do this episode this week is because I have been getting this question more and more recently I guess also because more people are learning crochet especially since April 2020 yeah. when COVID first hit I feel like crochet really took off during that time. At least people found time to finally do it. So I don't think it's that more people are asking. It's just that it so happens I have more students who are taking classes and they're asking what is it. Yeah, so that question keeps coming up, right? Yeah, and so the common question is when I tell them to buy, you know, a certain kind of yarn because we're working on different projects, then the the question that keeps coming back to me is, one is milk cotton and I'm gonna buy it okay is that fine for my project and I initially wanted to keep this as a quick questions episode so you know cover it within 10-15 minutes and be done but the more research I did the more I realized that I don't think it's possible to keep this in a 10 minute segment so milk cotton now has its own episode (laughs) and in this episode I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the background into how it was developed, what is it, how to care for it, um, how it's made and just a few other notes and discussion points that I think it's important for us to talk about and just you know shed some light onto how it's really made and is it really worth the hype Yeah, if there is a hype at all you know so let's talk about that. So let's start with where it came from. Let's talk a little bit about the background of milk cotton. So from what I gathered, and also please don't quote me on anything that I'm saying, all this is based on whatever little research or or information there is online and I've done sort of my own research onto this. So if there's any point you feel that I need correcting or you need to correct me, just send me an email and I'll be happy to redo this episode with the updated information that you guys have shared with us. Okay, so... Um, milk cotton was popular in the 40s and 50s as a wool alternative and it was really founded by the Germans during the World War One. and I think it was a mistake you know which invention is not <laughs> founded from a mistake yeah, like so happened they discovered this yeah out of an accident so what I I think it was an accident basically some German scientist or German chemist I think left milk out and there was a hard film that was left by that dried milk 
and that he mixed that into some sort of solution and spun it to form some sort of milk fiber some sort of fiber so it's obviously evolved since then yeah but that's really how it was first discovered and i think we all know what milk casein is you know very plainly put milk cotton is made from cotton and milk casein so if you've left like you know hot chocolate or hot milk out in the cold and when you go to drink it there's like that little layer that forms on top of your milk yeah I believe that is the casein that we're talking about. Okay. It's just that it's done on a massive scale and collected and spun in a way that we get milk, cotton fibers. So, after that, he played around with this process a little bit and he sold it to an Italian company soon after who then fine-tuned the process to which I will share with you guys in a bit. Okay? So, it was popular then during the 40s and 50s. It, actually, I think it was the late 19... 30s. Oh, wow. So it's like 1938-39 going into the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. So some places will tell you it was popular in 1930s, but I don't think so. I think it was founded then and then really hit the popular mainstream in the 40s and 50s. After that, during the World War II, I think there was a shortage or there was like this declining wool production. I just think there was there wasn't anybody to farm and process. Uh, the, the sheep that which they get wool from and so the National Dairy Products Foundation which is based in the USA adopted this milk cotton technique as a side project and it's now the predominant way that which we use or we manufacture milk cotton oh wow so it's you know it started in Germany then left to Italy and then now it's it, it migrated into the US where it sort of you know made it really really popular at that point However, now the places that predominantly make this milk cotton is found in China, as yeah. with everything else, and with some you know independent suppliers based in the US and in Europe. But it's mostly most it's, the bulk of it is made in China, which is why if you head on to you know um what's that Alibaba and AliExpress and all these China-based bulk buy websites you can easily find milk cotton there for really really cheap and the part that baffles me is why it's really really cheap because now that I've done my research into it and I kind of know how it's made a little bit it baffles me how it can be so cheap so I'm wondering you know I'm kind of wondering okay let's let's get let's get into that in a bit let's now move on into how it's made so maybe that will give you guys an idea on how it goes from a glass of milk that you yeah, drink exactly with your breakfast to, to something like that a you fiber that you can use to make clothes yeah to something that you crochet or knit with yeah don't quote me on anything I'm saying I'm sorry if I'm gonna butcher some of these names because I'm not a chemist. I don't have an I don't have a background in science or anything. So I'm just going to really briefly run through the process of how it goes from basic milk into yarn. And there are quite a few steps and I've tried to break it down as much as possible into noticeable um progressions. Okay. So it starts off with skim milk. I don't know why specifically skim milk there doesn't seem to be any information online telling me why it's not full fat yeah. milk instead of skim milk. But okay, so it starts with skim milk. Then they, it goes through a process where they isolate the milk proteins called casein. And this is the information that's just thrown about. You know, milk casein, milk casein. Yeah. So they isolate it. 
and then they denature it so that it doesn't go back into a liquid form. Right, of course not, yeah. After that, they coagulate this, you know, milk casein thingy in an acid bath. And what that does is it makes it really dense and spongy. And then it's washed, dried, and ground into a powder. Oh, so it, so it actually like, goes into a powder form Yeah, first. so it's like milk powder. That's so oh, funny. Right. So for milk into milk powder, but it's not just regular dehydrated milk powder, right? It's milk casein powder if we had to really be specific with it. So after that, they dissolve the powder in caustic soda plus some. I don't know what that plus some is because it's a long list of information. Basically, what they do with this plus some is it filters out certain things they don't want and keep the things they want. Okay, I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but this is just what I've gathered. And this this process has been, you know, it's been repeated in a few of the more scientific websites that I found. So okay. I'm guessing I'm trusting the process. Yeah. So after that, they pass this milk casein powder mixture thingy through a high pressure wet spinning device. Um, obviously they add some water and some acid and they pass it through this device it's like a flat sheet with thousands of holes in it and they put it through with really high pressure and so what comes out are little strands of fibres and that is the start of how you get fibres to make milk cotton right. then obviously after that there's like additional processing to bleach it soften strengthen it and clean it and then they add that whatever fibres to other existing fibres like cotton or acrylic. Uh, I think the most common type of fibre they add it to is cotton, that's why you get milk cotton instead because I think cotton takes to the milk fibres more easily and plus it's a natural material plus a natural material so you kind of want to match that in that process. Right. And then that's how you get milk cotton. Okay, it does sound a little bit more complicated than, you know, as compared to, uh, to making other materials. I, I, I think because there's that added step of trying to isolate the compound or the, the thingy in the first place, yeah. I think with, for example, cotton, you just take the cotton flower, the nature does it for you, right? Or if it's acrylic, you take that plastic and you do it. But in this case, you're actually trying to make the plant grow really, really fast and then take that in process. So I think that's why it's a little bit more complicated or complicated. complex. Yeah. That with that said, I don't quite know if that's how cotton or acrylic is done, but I do see some overlaps because as I'm doing this research, it does always link me back to the process of making um, acrylic, for example, it, or it, at least it's compared to making acrylic or cotton. Yeah. Some of the steps I think are the same, but I think, I mean, don't don't forget that at this point, everything that I mentioned from taking the milk to isolating the compounds and all that. Is the step prior to adding it to the actual acrylic or actual cotton. Right. So while this is happening, there is like a cotton mill out there spinning cotton fibers and that's a whole other process on its own. So, you know, they, they've been awarded like this, this 100% sustainable, no impact on the environment award, but I don't really know how true that is. Yeah, I get what you mean because you actually have to blend the milk fiber with you know, like another material. Something else, yeah. Yeah. Do you actually, like, is it possible to use milk fibre on its own? Um, 
from what I've seen, it's it's possible, and there are some some factories who do produce a hundred percent milk cotton, but I don't think doing it that way is sustainable because it takes so much milk to create a very little amount of it. Right. And also, from what I've gathered, milk cotton in itself is not very durable; like it breaks down easily, mm. which I guess is good for the environment, but not so good for clothes or something that you right, want to wear right. or, or gift to your grandchildren, right? Right, of course. So because of that. In order to make it last longer and sustainable, they add it to something else that's more hardy and natural, just like it. Right. Which I guess is cotton. So in this case, would you recommend for beginners like myself to use milk cotton? Ah,、uh, I do actually quite enjoy using milk cotton because it's so squishy. Ah,、uh, I guess on paper, I guess so. So maybe let me list down the qualities of milk cotton. Firstly, it's antibacterial, so it's not going to grow mouldy in your cupboard. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to trap dirt or bacteria in it. Okay. Um, it's breathable because I'm assuming because it's a natural, somewhat semi-natural fiber. Um, it is said that it's thermoregulating. Which means that it works well to keep you warm or to keep you cool. It's hypoallergenic, which means it's、uh, it it won't irritate you in your skin. And on paper, it's been awarded this you know this O E K O Tech Standard 100 certification, which I talked about earlier. Which means that having this certification says that you have no a negative or harmful impact on the environment,、wow. which makes you 100% sustainable. But I will get into this. I have a whole section written out for this because it just doesn't make sense to me、right. why it was awarded this. Maybe I I have no clue. I'm not going to speculate. But basically, that's that's something that's been awarded. And I actually, after reading this, I actually realized that I have yarn, like cotton yarn, from certain factories. That have this label certificate logo on its label, which I didn't know what it was. And when I researched into it, it says that it's suitable for babies. So I always thought that that meant maybe the material was of a better quality or something. But now I know that it's because it's hypoallergenic, which means it won't irritate your baby's skin, which is which are, you know is naturally more sensitive. So to answer your question, yes, I do think that you could try. I would never say don't try anything anyway. You know, even if it's a novelty yarn or something that's hard to work with, I will always say give it a try and see how you feel.、Um, so, but if you're talking in terms of if you are someone with sensitive skin, or you're giving it, or you're making for a baby, or giving it to somebody that's you know,、um, like someone older, like a grandparent with you know allergies and and it's a little bit more frail in health, this would be an excellent material to make up something with. I think.、Um, So in that regard, because it covers a wide range of people that you can make it with, from babies to grandparents, so then I would say, yeah, go go ahead and try it. So far, the quality sounds really good, you know, the milk cotton. But is it very similar to cotton? Because when I try to use cotton initially, it does split quite easily. So、mm, you know, yeah, it, it was、does. kind of troublesome at the beginning when I still wasn't really used to it.、Uh, is milk cotton like that? I've never had milk cotton split on me, and I've actually never really struggled with cotton splitting. So I can't quite answer that question. Maybe some of you listening listening could could tell me whether if you've worked with milk cotton and cotton, do you feel a difference? To me, milk cotton feels a lot like working with a cotton acrylic blend,、oh, which、okay. I don't quite like. To begin with, obviously it's a lot softer than a cotton acrylic and like super silky smooth.、Um, 
I just think I prefer 100% of something, like 100% cotton. I, you know, I love cotton. I love working with cotton more yeah. so than anything else. So, I mean, I guess cotton acrylic would be a good a good substitute because of, obviously it's cheaper, you know, to have half of something than a full 100% Ooh, yeah. something. You know, milk yeah. cotton is definitely cheaper. So I do use milk cotton to teach a lot of my classes. Um, I think the fibres do stick to each other a lot better than cotton because after all it's a semi-synthetic it's not 100% pure natural fiber so it has some level of elasticity to it okay and so because of that I think the fibers don't split so easily okay let's talk some statistics and let's talk some information on milk cotton so I found some interesting information or little like nuggets of info that I think would be interesting or useful I don't know how useful but interesting at least for you guys to know Um, the first one being that it takes 35 liters of milk 35 to make just one kilogram of casein fibers no way 30 35 that's that's an insane amount of milk. Yeah. And only for one kg, like one kilogram, I think that's um two and a half pounds, I think. Yeah. And it so can you imagine the skill at which they have to work with it? I don't know how sustainable this would really be, but anyway, um let's move on. The second point is that it's obviously classified as a semi-synthetic because while it's from a natural material, it's added onto something else and it's gone through a whole lot of processing that takes it away from saying it's 100% natural. Natural, now. right. Um, the next thing is that it's a lot better than acrylic yarn because apparently acrylic the or the production of acrylic yarn releases lots of microplastics into the ocean, but milk cotton doesn't. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And I know how, you know, the issue of microplastics has been really big in recent years. Yeah. And so the fact that acrylic yarn has that byproduct and milk cotton doesn't is already sort of a step in the right direction. Yes, and we definitely need more uh, materials to be made in a more eco-friendly and sustainable manner. And you know how our uh, big part of our brand is being sustainable, right? Yeah, so, exactly. You know, I think this is it really is a good step. So anyway... Uh, moving on, I did talk about this earlier where it's milk cotton is not so durable, like it can't last that long and it breaks down more easily as compared to other materials. But I guess I guess it's good for the environment. Yeah. Maybe not so good for projects so that you want to really keep a long time because I think the way milk cotton is, it's it's not so stable. I mean, after all, it had to be it has to be processed in order to keep it in its, its solid form, right? So yeah. it doesn't liquefy back on you. Um, another interesting thing that I found is that you have come across milk cotton a lot more in your fashion items too. Really? But on the label, it's labelled, on your clothing label I mean, it's labelled as Aralac. So if you've ever pulled out any um, clothes that's like made from fleece or twill or flannel and you look at the the, the fibres content in yeah. the label... Sometimes it says Aralac and Aralac, which is spelled A-R-A-L-A-C, is the exact same thing as milk cotton. Oh. It just so happens to come from a factory or brand that's called Aralac. So Aralac is actually the brand brand name. name. But because they were the founders, or not founders, but they were the biggest manufacturer of this milk milk fiber at that time. Not talking about milk yarn, but milk fibers, the fibers which eventually goes into yarn. But there's also another option where it goes into making fabrics and not not just yarn. Yeah. So the Aralac, the milk fibers from Aralac that goes into making 
actual fabric that is used to make clothes, clothes. Mm. is labelled as Aralex. So you've actually come across this a lot more oh, than okay. you realised. So it's probably in a lot more of our clothing that we know of it. Uh, it was very popular back in the 50s, 60s and it didn't. It dropped in popularity a little bit so it's not so common to find it which is perfect because it leads me into my next point which is in the mid-1960s nylon, the material, took over all these factories because nylon is so much easier to make as opposed to milk cotton. I mean, you've heard oh, the process right. of it. Yeah. You know how tedious it is to make milk cotton. So when they discovered that making nylon was a lot easier, then. it produces a much better sustainable... Uh, when I say sustainable, I mean that it doesn't it doesn't spoil so easily. Okay. And then the factories all shifted into making nylon. Yeah. And so because of that, you don't have that many factories making milk cotton anymore. And therefore, it's not that common a fibre in the industry to at find this it. point right okay I mean obviously it makes more sense for the businesses to switch to something that's more easily yeah you know. that's right and so but if you're talking about if you've picked out like your grandparents clothes <laughs> or you know it, that's been bought or made during the 40s or 50s or 60s right you could potentially find you know the label um, like say 50% cotton 50% Aralac and or, you know 50 whatever how many percent spandex or whatever in some of their flannel shirts or you know yeah. uh, fleece tops so then my question would be how easy is it for me to find milk cotton then? in in fashion? Um, in this case yarn? I think yarn it's quite easy to find now because China makes everything easy to find you could easily go online search milk cotton and there would be factories who give Okay. Who make that for really cheap. But is it common to find in your local community? That I don't know. Because I think most people would rather bring in cotton or wool or acrylic. I think these are the three main, three main, main materials. Yeah. yeah, unless you have an extensive, you know, amount of yarn you can sell and varieties of yarn you can sell, then maybe you could find milk cotton. But so far, the only place that I've found that sells milk cotton, or at least in Singapore where we are, is Golden Dragon that we talked about in an earlier episode yeah. where to buy yarn but they only sell like a really limited amount and a really limited colour palette it's oh, like right. one rack as opposed to shelves and shelves and shelves of cotton and wool and acrylic and just a tiny little rack that's like milk cotton yeah so I guess in that case if I want to do like a big project and I need like a larger quantity of like a specific colour, it would be quite difficult. All you right. can buy online, I think. Yeah. I think you can buy everything online now, but just think about the resources that goes into shipping it to you might just offset how sustainable it really or is. how affordable it could be. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Just one thing to note when you're buying things online is that sometimes milk cotton can be misclassified or mislabeled as cotton acrylic and this happens a lot more than you think especially when you have a retailer who is like a third-party retailer who don't exactly know what they're really selling and if you look at milk cotton just at one glance it looks like it looks like cotton acrylic it looks like a cotton acrylic blend and so retailers who don't know what they're selling especially if they're those bulk third-party ones it's so common to have it mislabeled that way yeah i get that especially when you buy from china when yeah. everything is mostly you know in chinese and there's a trans- translation yeah, error exactly you could you could be labeled as milk cotton but 100% acrylic you yeah. know yeah and that happens so so much more often than you think sometimes i'm scrolling through um online 
websites and because I'm I'm always looking for yarn. Yeah. It the advertisements that pop up show me yarn. So when I click into it, sometimes it's a, a advertisement for for milk cotton. But when I look into the label, it says a hundred percent acrylic. Which okay, fine. I understand acrylic is sort of like that base layer of yarn that can be used to mimic all sorts of fibers. Yeah. Because it's that synthetic. Yeah. But you know, people just don't really know what it's called and don't know why it's labeled as milk cotton. So everything that has that same sort of feel and tactile quality, yeah, they just mislabel it as something else. Yeah, so that's the risk sometimes when you're buying something online, you know, you get a surprise in the mail. Yeah, which is why I always tell my students, please don't buy yarn online. But a lot of them do, I guess, because it's just more convenient. Yeah. But you don't always know what you're going to get, especially if you're getting it from like China websites or or web places where there is a language barrier. You don't quite know what you're getting and Google Translate only works so far in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are so many horror stories like if you don't know what material you're working with, you don't know how to care for it. Yeah. If it's, your, if it's for yourself, then that's fine. But if you're gifting it to someone, if you're making a blanket for someone, you don't want them to wash it and then have it shrink or lose its stitch definition because if you don't know the material, you don't know how to care for yeah, it. Yeah, it makes it very difficult. And I would only recommend ever you buy online if you have a trusted like web resource, if you have a trusted brand, and if you know specifically what brand you're looking for, then you go online and you search for that brand. But don't go online and buy yarn just because you want to experiment and because it looks cheap and you know and you don't quite know what you're getting. Don't go online to buy yarn to experiment if you want to create an actual actual project and not you know you're not just swashing things around but anyway now that we've talked about what it is and now we're talking a little bit about caring let's talk about how you can care for milk cotton products or things that you've made with milk cotton i think it's quite easy and straightforward and i think that's why people like it because a you can wash it in the machine it's machine washable Uh, it's dry you can dry clean it and you just have to let it dry in the shade and not in direct sunlight or you might risk the colour running. But apart from that, that's it. Don't bleach it, obviously, if you don't mm-hmm. want the colour to run. Don't iron it. Don't put any hot hot metal plate directly on it. But you could use the steam from your iron to block it if you want to. And that's about it. I think when it, in terms of crochet projects, it's kind of like the jackpot of how to take care of it. Yeah. Just throw it in a wash. And, yeah, that's quite convenient. Yeah, put it somewhere. Because like, for example, things like wool, you have to be quite careful whether it's a super wash merino or not. So it's super washed, it means that you could put it in the washing machine. But if it's not, you know, then you've got to really be very gentle with like wash yeah, it in very a really careful, gentle, yeah. delicate setting. Otherwise, it could either shrink or lose your stitch definition, which means you get a big fuzzy mess. Then, you know, it's not so easy to fix it after that. So another thing to take note of, or at least it's this is my technique for seeing whether I want to try... Um, something that's labelled as milk cotton is I look at the actual label itself. Sometimes it would just say, or the most common label you'd see, it's it breaks down the fibres to 80% cotton and 20% milk fibres. But really good factories who know what they're doing would break it down even more than that. They would tell you it's, you know, for example, 50% long staple cotton which means that the cotton fibers are pulled to really long strands so that it doesn't break so easily. Uh, 20% something else, like silk cotton for example. 20% milk fibers 
and 10% moisture regain. And all that means is that how much moisture is present in the fiber at that moment. And you know, there's moisture present in all your yarn, so don't be worried that it's gonna get moldy or anything. It just tells you how much moisture was put back into the material that would make it nice and plump. So the higher the number, the more plump and long-lasting your material will be, which means it won't peel or dry out so easily okay. and cause the fibers to tear. I see. So obviously, the more information people give me, the more I trust that they know what they're doing or what they're saying. And I would rather trust someone with that kind of label as opposed to someone that just says, you know, 50% cotton, 50% milk fibers yeah, or 80-20. Yeah. yeah. The most common denomination is 80% cotton, 20% milk fibers. But, you know, if they don't break down what that 20% is or what that 80% is, usually I try to steer clear. But with that said, if you have a supplier that you trust or a website that you go to that you trust can give you good quality milk cotton, obviously stick to that. With this, there is really no way to tell apart from just buying a bunch and just trying it. Testing just it out, right. Yeah. Now, another interesting thing I found about milk cotton is what happens during the production process and what has changed from in the 60s to what's happening now. So it seems like in the past, formaldehyde was used as one of the main um, agents to coagulate the, the, milk. the fibers. Yeah, I don't, right. I'm not quite sure in which process okay. this, they add formaldehyde. And you know, some people are very sensitive to the word formaldehyde being used. And nowadays, there's more and more formaldehyde-free products like nail polish that doesn't require okay. formaldehyde. And you know, if you don't know what formaldehyde is, it's a kind of chemical that is used in the embalming process of oh, someone. Right. So it's a really toxic chemical. And there are some types of cancer in people that are linked to exposure to formaldehyde. Okay, so obviously we, we try not to have that. Yeah, we in try our to stay that, clear yeah. away from it and that there are more and more health conscious and environment conscious people want to stay clear away from formaldehyde. But for some reason or the other, they have switched out the use of formaldehyde for something else called and sorry I might butcher this, it's called acrylonitrile. Acrylonitrile, yeah. And this this thingy is used in place of formaldehyde and it's interesting because this is this compound or this element is basically what acrylic yarn is, is made of you know oh, okay so it's very similar to, to acrylic yarn yeah so they I think they've sort of fine-tuned the process to eliminate some of the more toxic chemicals and that is why it was sort of given that that certification saying that it's like not environmentally harmful or anything not yeah. not that this switch was the trigger for it but it's one of the many things that was considered in the production of it right and this it so along with formaldehyde aluminium salt and zinc is used but i think over time the zinc was entirely replaced with the aluminium salt so that's why it's antibacterial because aluminium is antibacterial okay so far, it sounds like milk cotton is a really good material to use. We've talked about all the good qualities and how it may seem to be you know, good for the environment as well. Mm -hmm. But previously, you did mention that you kind of had some doubts about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. So here's where I'm not quite sure. I believe the hype, I don't want to say hype because there really isn't a hype, but I don't quite believe that it deserves that you know, that certification that proves it's eco-friendly. Right. And this is just my personal thought. So hear me out. I'm just going to present this as my own thoughts. Okay, so these, this is my own opinion. It's not like, it's not, I'm not presenting the facts now. 
Ultimately, to me, milk cotton still utilizes the use of regular cotton at its base. It's obviously blended with it and 80% at that. And I think that makes it incredibly labor intensive. I mean, think about it. To make, to produce just two pounds of cotton fibers, it takes 20,000 liters of water. And that, if you if you translate that into terms of like a t-shirt, that's a t-shirt and a pair of jeans. Mm. 20,000 liters, I'm even stuttering over it. 20,000 liters of water just to make one t-shirt and jeans. And if you think about how much yarn that is, that's not a lot. Yeah. And it's just, you have to, so, okay. So while the process of cotton is being made, right? 20,000 liters of water per two pounds or whatever. At the same time, all this other process of making the milk cotton has to take place and it's combined. It's not like the process ends there. Yeah. Once it leaves the milk cotton factory, right? They take the milk cotton fibers and then they introduce it to the already labor-intensive cotton factory and then they blend it. Yeah. I just don't see how that could be sustainable to the environment because it's you're like doubling that process over. And on top of that, I think it only is eco-friendly if you only use excess milk for milk factories. Like, yeah. you, like you take the excess or the waste milk. The waste milk, yeah. That factories don't use or, or, or consumers don't buy and you take that and you collect it from across the country and you turn that into milk cotton. Then, then Yeah, then on the other hand, would I say if I, I'm actually using this waste milk, would that be then environmentally friendly? I suppose so because you're not deliberately producing it yeah. for something, right? And I mean, anything and currently right now, Milk cotton is produced in a very small amount as yeah. opposed to what's being, you know, rationed for cotton or for wool yeah, of course, or yeah. for acrylic. And so if you think about it, anything that's made in a small batch is will naturally be a little bit more safe for the environment. Yeah. Anything that's made small batch will always be a little bit will have lesser output of damage to the environment. But if you bring it head to head with something else, I don't I don't necessarily think it's more environmentally friendly and also think about it if milk cotton becomes more popular and more and more people want milk cotton what happens when the demand Demand. now outweighs what they can produce yeah then obviously they are going to you know do it on on purpose now it's not just using waste the waste yeah. yeah and i think the production of rearing cows to get the milk is more damage more more yeah. damaging to the environment because yeah, of, of all course. the methane that's the, the yeah. animals would produce, right? That's yes, correct, yeah. And so I think that if you isolate the process of making milk cotton on its own, yes, it does sound like it would be hundred percent sustainable because milk is already sort of quote unquote in abundance here. Yeah. But if you look at it on the whole from what it takes from the little cup that you drink to the time you get to crochet it, I think I think too much has gone in between for it to really count as being sustainable. And you know, like I said, there's not much not much information online, so this is really only based on what I could find. And I'm forming my opinions on what's out there on the internet. If anything changes, my opinion might change with it too. Yeah. Then but as of now, that's what I think, you know. Yeah. I think it's very impossible to look at the process of making on its own and not think about how it impacts into other areas like cotton mill factories or or you know even from where they get the milk from because I don't I mean come on 
<laughs> be honest, I don't think anybody is looking at milk that's been left over to make milk cotton now. I'm quite sure in China at least, they're actually taking milk, milk fresh yeah. milk from the animals and turning it into milk cotton. I, that's what I truly believe. And so, you know, once you put things on perspective this way and then, you know, to ship it to you because China ships everything out. Yeah. And they're the only ones making it now for you to get your hands on that one ball of milk cotton. It's just so much waste has gone in and I I just think it's not fair <laughs> they have a certification that like like this. Yeah. I mean practically we start to question, right? About, yeah. yeah. There's practically nothing you can do that would not have an environmental impact unless you like grow your own veggies or make your own clothes or <laughs> yeah. weave your own clothes or whatever. Yeah. You know, unless you do that yourself, everything you do, no matter how eco-friendly it is, would definitely have some sort, some of, sort impact of impact yeah. somehow. Especially if it's a business, right? Exactly. Yeah. Especially if they're selling it in the the bulk. bulk at the, the number at the sheer yeah. numbers at, at which they do it and the process alone seems a lot more how do I put it more labour intensive I think to extract fibres from milk <laughs> yeah. not that it's not doable maybe you know it's like revolutionary at that yeah. point but it's not that it's not doable right in, in, in comparison to wool you literally shear the sheep yeah. you take the wool and you put it onto that spinning wheel and you spin it and Voila, you yeah. get you get yarn. Correct. I think if anything it just provides an alternative material. Like you know. Definitely. Yeah. But you know, is it worth all the process yeah. and all the chemicals that goes into exactly. making That's it? Something to think about. You I know? would much rather take a wool and you know how much I don't like wool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I just don't like the feeling of working with wool. Yeah. I would much rather take the wool that I know is for sure byproduct of something mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. of an animal that they have to shave the animal in the summer anyway. And take that and just with the few small twirls of my wheel, I get yarn. You get yarn already, yeah. You know, it's not like cotton where they purposefully grow the plant to extract the flower that makes cotton yarn, right? So, I mean, ultimately, I think wool still trumps anything else when it comes to being eco-friendly. But that's just my opinion about how I'm a little bit more suspicious about (laughs) why it's eco-friendly. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe in the future, they might come up with some technology. You know, oh that, yeah, you, you never know. Yeah, that makes it more eco-friendly or, you know, we should whatever they this, want to call it. We should have added this to the previous episode where we talk about crochet inventions that need to exist. Right. Maybe have a machine that churns out yarn for milk. Just pour <laughs> all your spoiled milk into this machine. And then behind it just spuns out, out yarn. Yeah. And then yarn in 24 hours. <laughs> who knows, right? Yeah, who but, knows? Anyway, let me know what you guys think. If you've ever worked with milk cotton before, I actually just finished creating a tote bag using milk, milk, milk cotton. cotton right? yeah. And I do like the way it feels. It's just it's just doesn't feel so sturdy like pure cotton. Yeah, but I like to it me. because it's soft and squishy, right? So Yeah, I, I mean, guess, if you're making yeah. a scarf or a blanket, I think milk cotton would be perfect for it. And I mean, it washes well. We all yeah. know that. It's hypoallergenic. We all know that. It's antibacterial. We all know, know that. that yeah. So I think on paper, it's good to use and it's cheap. So if you're looking for yarn on a budget... I think milk cotton would be an excellent way to go. Yeah. And you know, ultimately, there really isn't a difference. You choose what you like. If all yarn is going to have some sort of impact environmentally, at the end of the anyway, day, yeah. you know, it's what you prefer and what you like. Yeah. So if you have any questions regarding this or information that you'd like to share, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. We are Crooked Crochet SG. 
or you can WhatsApp or send us an iMessage at plus six five nine one two seven two seven four three. And actually, if you have questions or if you want to contribute to the podcast in your own quick questions, you can actually send us a voice note and send it to us via that the phone number, whether it's WhatsApp or iMessage. Record like a little voice message to us. Um, and we'll put it in the podcast. I think that would be quite cool to hear your voices, yeah. right? So do that, or you can email us at crookedcrochetsg at gmail.com. And check back every Sunday at 12 noon Singapore time. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode as much as I have, learning all the fun facts, like little fun facts about milk cotton. Actually, I did too, you know, doing my research. I I was quite... I really cared about this episode in yeah. the sense that I, yeah, really I, wanted, yeah. I really wanted to produce the facts produce <laughs> I really wanted to present the yeah. facts correct as correctly as I could but is there's just not enough information on it online and you know I'm all about transparency I like to know where things come from I like yeah. to know how it's made and this episode was really like a real deep dive for me as well into finding out and this 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 episode I've been wanting to do it since like what last year yeah and it's taken me so long just to double check the facts and to you know make sure I cross reference with different websites and stuff but you know ultimately this is all just what I found on the internet so I don't quite know if it's all accurate or not but I really hope you guys enjoy it if you are anything like me you want to know where your things come from too so I hope this gave you a little bit more clarity as to what milk cotton really is and you can go forth and use it and explore more options and more materials yeah so with that said, go in go in peace and make your whips with milk cotton and we'll see you next week. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.